chapter 1. Um, this, the actual sermon this morning isn't very long, but I have a very long introduction. Um, so, uh, uh, next week we start our revival. And uh, I look forward to revival every year um, for a couple of reasons. And we're going to talk about that here at the, at the beginning of the service this morning. Um, revival is an important part of uh, what God can do in our lives. Uh, generally, uh, when we are getting close to revival, um, I have people that uh, are maybe not be familiar with revival uh, ask me, Basically, two questions. I get these every year. So I wanted to take a few minutes and spend some time answering these two questions. Number one, uh, what is revival? Uh, the second question I get quite often is, why do we need it? Um, so uh, let's start with question number one. What is revival? Uh, revival, uh, Simply put, is a meeting of believers in Jesus Christ where we get together and we jumpstart, if you would, our walk with the Lord. Um, the reality is this. God made us to be emotional beings. Each and every one of us is emotional. Some of us are more emotional than others, but all of us are emotional. And because of that, our walk with the Lord is not always what it should be. Um, the psalmist, if you if you read through the psalms, which I, I like to do on a regular basis, I, I spend a lot of time in my personal uh, quiet time with God. I spend a lot of that time in, in, uh, in psalms because it is a constant reminder to me that God needs to be a part of my life. The psalmist in Psalm 51 in verse 12 writes this, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. If the psalmist needed the joy of his salvation restored to him, that means what? What is the logical conclusion of that? He lost it. Okay, So it needs to be restored to him. <clears throat> Again, in Psalm chapter 85, in verse 6, it says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Again, the word revive here, um, what does the word revive mean? The word revive literally means to say, I have the de definition right here. It says, to give or restore life. When I was a kid, the, my favorite one of my favorite TV shows was, was I'm dating myself here, uh, was Emergency. How many of y'all remember Emergency? Okay. Um, I used to love it when they get those paddle things out and pow, and they, you know, just zap someone. Well, that's, that's what this word revive means. It means to bring back to life something that is dead or almost dead. And because of the way God has made us, we struggle oftentimes with keeping a fresh relationship with God. So we at Grace Baptist Church, uh, once a year we schedule a revival to help us kind of revive and to stay in, excited about the things of God. 
Revival is a time for a church to come together and ask God to stir our hearts. God told King Solomon when uh, David had prepared the, the temple, but David was, God said that he didn't, he didn't want David to build a temple. He wanted his son Solomon to build a temple. And after Solomon finished building the temple, <coughs> excuse me, God said this to Solomon in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. It says this, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their lands. It sounds like a people, a nation that needed revival. How do we get revival? A guy named Howard Spring, I don't know who it is, but this, he said this, and I like what he said, so I'm going to share it with you. The kingdom of God is not going to advance by our churches becoming filled with men, but by men in our churches becoming filled with God. That is an incredible statement. Because the emphasis of most churches in our country today, and I'm even guilty of this, is, hey, what do we have to do to get more people in? Why? Not, not because we want to increase our numbers, but because we want to reach more people for Christ. But the reality is, and I believe what he says is true, if the people that are already here will be filled with the Spirit, getting more people in is no problem because they'll go out trying to invite them in. Our desire as a church should never be to grow numerically, but spiritually. And when we grow spiritually, I believe our numbers will grow numerically. Revival is a special time that we set aside to allow the Spirit of God to stir us. Now I'm going to I'm going to challenge us this morning. I want to encourage you. Now you think, okay, wait a minute. Wait, pastor, man, this is a whole week. Sunday, 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 Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday, night, Thursday, night, and Friday night. Man, that's crazy. That is a whole week. Let me encourage you, challenge you to be here every night. Every service. And I promise you this. If you will come to every service or as, as many services as you can, God will do a great work in your heart and life. I promise you that. And for some of us, it's going to be a sacrifice. It's going to be hard because, hey, I, I know. I, I, I've worked secular jobs. I know what it's like to work all day and then come and go to a revival meeting. I know what it's like. I've worked 50, 60 hours a week for years, but I never missed revival because that is so important to me. Because some of the best work that God has done in my heart and life through the years has been through a revival service. It's one of the reasons I look forward to it. Now, I'm going to say something here. I hope this doesn't come out wrong. But 
<clears throat> if for no other reason, revival service is good because I get to sit and listen. Okay, it's good for me. I need I need preaching too. But let me encourage you and challenge you. Attend every service that you possibly can. And I know it. I know it's going to be a sacrifice. I know you have children, and I, I know I know all of it. I've lived it. But I've also lived the blessings that come from it. When you will sacrifice and you'll do the hard thing to be here, God will honor that. And it'll be a blessing to you. Number two, <clears throat> why do we need revival? <clears throat> you might be thinking to yourself, but Pastor, you don't understand. I'm okay. I read my Bible. You know, I I I, I love the Lord and well, and, and that and that may be true. Let me ask you some questions and, and don't raise your hand or answer these out loud. Just ponder them in your heart. But I want to I want to I want to challenge you with some questions <clears throat> that will help answer that question. Do I need revival? The first question is this: Am I closer to the Lord today than I was a year ago, or about the same, or maybe even less? I can't answer that. Only you can. Here's another one. Do I pray more today than I did a year ago about the same or maybe less? What's your prayer life like? Do I have any bitterness in my life? Do I love others more today than I did a year ago? Have I shared Christ with someone in the past six months? How is my relationship with my spouse, friends, and family? See, these are all questions we need to ask ourselves. Here's one that, am I really what people see? What people see on the outside, is that really who the person is on the inside? Do I have a clear conscience before God and all men? And then the last question is this, am I willing to ask God to speak to me through the preaching of His Word? See, these are all questions that will help us understand our need for revival. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have <clears throat> made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. Now, now, this is a rhetorical question. Solomon writes this question, and what is the answer to this question? Hello? No one can. No one can say, hey, I have made my heart clean. Nobody can say that. I am pure from my sin. Nobody can say that. Psalm chapter 51, verses 9 to 10, it says, Hide thy face from my sin and blot out mine iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew 
or revive a right spirit <coughs> excuse me within me the 51st psalm was written by who anybody know david okay david wrote the 51st psalm after a tragic event in his life anybody know what that event was okay the loss of his son because of his sin <coughs> And David's heart was heavy. And he says, he starts off by saying in, in verse 9, he says, Hide thy face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. David was owning the sin in his life. But I love what he says in verse 10. Create in me a clean heart. Because David understood he could not do it himself. And there are times in our lives when we're hurting. When events in our lives are spinning out of control. When life is going sideways on us. That we just need God to create a clean, a clean heart in us. Where He needs to renew or revive the spirit within us. Only God can do that. Only God. Revelation chapter 3. There's Re Revelation chapter 2 and 3 is written to what we call the seven churches of Revelation. And at the end of chapter 3, uh, <clears throat> the church that that John is writing to is the church of Laodicea. It's the, it's the lukewarm church. It is representative of the church age that we live in today, the lukewarm church. Revelation chapter 3, <clears throat> verses 15 and following, it says this, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing and know, knoweth not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of thee gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the, the shame of thy wickedness uh, do not appear and anoint thine eyes <clears throat> with eye salve that thou mayest see as many as I love I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and will open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. I want to concentrate on verse 16. Can you go back to verse 16, Chris, please? Verse 16 has an interesting statement in it. It says, um, 
Oh, I think I got the wrong verse. No. It's, well, anyway, I got the wrong verse written down here. It says, But uh, because thou sayest, I am rich and increased in goods and have need of nothing, and knowest that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Too often, too often we become lukewarm or we become stagnant because of everything that we have. When's the last time you prayed for your food and really meant it? We, for the most part, as Americans, do not know what it means to go hungry. Many of us can survive on our pantries and our cabinets for days, maybe even weeks, without going to the store. But in this culture, it wasn't like that. But here we have a, a, a people, the, the church of Laodicea, they had, they had become wealthy and, and they didn't need anything. And they became lukewarm because they, they did not need to depend on God anymore to meet their quote-unquote needs. Too often we do the same thing spiritually. We come to church and we we do our we do our thing. We you know we come to church and we we get around our friends and we do we go through all the singing and the preaching and do all this stuff, and, and we we become stagnant in our faith. Revival helps us shake that up a little bit because Jesus is standing at the door and he's knocking, saying, "Hey, let me in, let me in." But we don't hear it because we don't want to hear it. I've shared this story before many times, and and um, but I wanted to share it again. I right after I was saved, well, I, actually, right after Melanie and I were married, I remember sitting down with my mom and dad and sharing the gospel with my mom and dad. And when I was all done, I looked at my dad and I said, Dad, do you want to get saved? Do you want to ask Jesus Christ into your heart and life? And he said, Rick, I want you to look around you. And he was sitting in a home down in Southern California. Very, very, very nice home. And he said, look around you. He said, when you got saved, he said, you were an alcoholic. You needed God. He, then he said this. He said, I don't need God. Forty years later, my dad, both my mom and dad got saved 40 years later. Because he got to the point he needed God. And it's an exciting thing that my mom and dad are saved, that they're in heaven today. And I, I love that. And I, I, I totally, please, please understand I'm excited about that. But the one thing that really saddens me about that is they missed out on 40 years of the blessings of God in their lives. 40 years that God could have been doing miraculous things through them. 
because they were content. They were lukewarm. They didn't need God. We all have, well, let me, let me rephrase that. We all need God in our lives. And I love, I love, to, I love this, this passage in Revelation chapter 3, the picture of Jesus standing at the door and knocking. I don't know if you've ever seen the, I should have went and got the picture and, brought, and showed it to you, but there's an artist's rendering of Jesus standing at the door of, uh, and knocking at this door. And the one thing that is really cool about this door that um, uh, the, this artist did was if you notice, there's no doorknob on it, on the outside of the door. So Jesus can't open the door. It can only be opened from the inside. But he's standing there knocking on our door saying, hey, I want to spend time with you. And really, in a nutshell, that is really what revival is all about. Let me read that quote to you again and then we'll get into the message. All this so far has been free. Okay. The kingdom of God is not going to advance by our churches being filled with men, but by men in our churches being filled with God. So let's challenge, let me challenge you this, this revival to do the hard thing and show up as often as you can. That's going to take planning on your part. If, you are, if, you, if you're working, I understand it's going to be hard. But let me challenge you to be here. And I promise you, God will do a great thing in your heart. So, the title of my message is this. Revive me. Because revival is about me. What I don't want you to do is sit here and and think about, oh yeah, oh, Bruce needs revival. Everybody knows Bruce needs revival. <laughs> Sorry, Bruce. <laughs> but, you know, that is our tendency, right? Is to, to think about other people and say, hey, you know, you know so-and-so needs, this, this, this family needs, or that family, you know, or this person. No, 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 no. I want, I want to forget that, and I want you to focus on the fact that you need it. And that is one of the focuses that I that I I bring into my own thinking every time we have revival, and and I, and I stop and I take time and I say, Rick, this is about God speaking to you. Are you ready for God to do a work in your heart and your life? Now, as we read here in First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter, did I say first or Second Peter earlier? Okay, good. Okay, Second Peter, because <clears throat> studying for this, I kept going to First Peter. I'm thinking, what? I'm in the wrong place, you know. Anyway, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter one. Now, if you if you mark your Bible, which I do, um, I don't go crazy with it, but some people do. But anyway, if you mark your Bible, I want you to underline something, okay? 
Every time you see the phrase, these things, I want you to underline it. Okay? Let's start reading in verse 8. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall be neither uh, barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if ye do these things, ye shall never fall. For, for, <clears throat> excuse me. for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you in, uh, abundantly unto the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I am not, uh, excuse me, I will not be negligent to put you away in remembrance of these things. Though you know, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think to meet as long as I am a, uh, am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this tabernacle, even as the Lord Jesus has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decrease, to have these things always in remembrance. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you again for this day. Thank you for this time together. And Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts, that you would challenge us, and that you would help us to be more like you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. In verses 14 and 15 here, Peter is acknowledging the fact that his time on earth is short. He talks about shedding the the, the tabernacle. He's talking about his body or the dwelling place of the Holy Spirit. He knows that he's about to die. And he is wanting to remind his fellow believers of these things. Every time in the Bible, in in English, 21st century English, we we have ways of emphasizing uh, phrases or different things. Um, by by you know exclamation marks and different things, but in in the Greek language, what they would do if they wanted to emphasize something, they would just repeat it over and over and over. So obviously, uh, Peter is trying to emphasize whatever these things are. So as we as we go into this, I I, I cannot overemphasize the importance of these things. So point number one, what are these things? What's he talking about? These things. You know, it's easy, you know, 
<clears throat> we read it and we see, okay, this is something very, very important that he's talking about here. But what is it? If you back up just a little bit, uh, look at verse 5. It says, besides this, giving <clears throat> all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity or love. So what are these things? This list. So when, when, when Peter is saying, hey, if you will add these things to your life, Great things can happen in your life. It is the progress of giving your life to God. How does it start? It starts with faith. Add to your faith virtue. And to virtue, knowledge. And to knowledge, temperance. And to temperance, patience. And to patience, godliness. And to godliness, brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, charity. So we see a progression here that, that Peter is trying to remind his fellow believers as, as Peter is, knows he's, his time on earth is short. He's trying his best to communicate their, the, the need for these things to be evident in the lives of of his fellow believers. So let's look at them very quickly. What are these things? Virtue. Basically, virtue means moral goodness. So what he's saying here is add to your faith moral goodness or moral purity. Should be a, a huge part of our lives. And then when, we're, when we've added that to our faith, the next thing we need to add to our faith is knowledge or understanding. Understanding of what? Anybody? God's Word. Spend time in church. Spend time in the book. We need to get to know more about God so that we can add that to our knowledge. And the more that we know, the more we will love Him. Then he says something that is really mean. He say he get the next two are really really mean. Temperance. What is temperance? Temperance is self control. Oh, you mean I can't lose my temper anymore? You know it's a funny thing. <clears throat> this morning I went around taking pictures of people. Yeah, I had, especially Marley was the best. <clears throat> I took Marley's picture and I said, Marley, I want you to look really mean. Well, I don't think she's got a mean bone in her body, but she, she, gave, us a, she gave me a really mean face. It was awesome. Self-control. But, you know, asking somebody, hey, give, I want, give me a mean face. And they, they look at it and they, most... Most of the people I did that to this morning started laughing. Yeah, she didn't. 
Boy, she must be a handful, Bob. I'll tell you what. <laughs> Self-control. Temperance. And then, of all things, he says patience. Oh, not that word. Not, not patience. You mean God wants me to be patient? You know, I, I actually made the mistake one time when I was first saved of praying and asking God to give me patience. Probably, yeah. <laughs> he always answers prayer, and I think he loves answering that one. Because, man, I went through it. I don't pray that anymore. But it, it does need to be part of our lives. Godliness. Godliness literally means to have respect for godly things. And we live in a day and time that, they, that they, the respect for godly things is getting more and more rare. You know, you would think, now, now tomorrow is my day to go out to the prison, uh, out to the Lovelock prison. And you would think of all the places on the face of the earth that a prison would be about the worst place in the world for respect for godly things. But you know what? It's just the opposite. Those guys out there treat me like a king. I think that's why I like going, no, I'm teasing. Uh, um, no, they treat, and, and they have told me on multiple occasions, hey, if there's ever a problem within the prison, you have nothing to worry about because we have your back. It is. You know, because the, the, the prison system tells you, hey, if anything, you know, riot breaks out, whatever, anything happens in the prison, you're on your own. That's part of, you know, when we go in, we know that the guards don't care if you're in there. They're not going to come and get you. But the prisoners have told me on men, multiple occasions, look, hey, if anything ever happens, we got your back. Brotherly kindness, a true and sincere love for each other. That verse that we read earlier this morning. And then love or charity, agape, unconditional love. These are all things that we need to add to our faith. And that is what Peter is talking about. These things are dependent on us surrendering our lives to God. Revive me, God. Start the work in my heart. Now, I don't know, but I dare say that nobody in this room, including myself, have mastered this list. <laughs> Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The prerequisite to the rest is to come. Us taking the first step. Come is an interesting word. I, 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 I've known this for years and I had kind of forgotten it, so I looked it up and I did some study on this word come. It is an, an adverb of plurality. Yes, plurality. Yeah, multiple, okay? Um, what it means is this. 
Okay, picture you you over here, and Jesus is over here, and he's saying, come, come. And as you come, you take a step, and he's saying, come. And you take another step, and he's saying, come, come, come. And it's not just a one-time Come unto me, all you that labor. It is a continual process in our lives where we are continually having to take that step of faith. Come, come, come. What a beautiful word. Come unto me and keep coming, keep coming, and keep coming. Psalm chapter 55 and verse 22. Cast your burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. Oh, you know what? I, I, I meant to <clears throat> say something. Well, let, let, me, let me move on. I, I, I told you I'm going to get done early. So, um, so uh, what, are, what are these things? Number one, point number one. Number two. The outcome of these things. The outcome of these things. Look at verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. There are two key words here in this verse. The first one is to the word abound, to make bigger or greater. So these things, if these things are in, in you and abound or become greater and your faith grows stronger and stronger, then it will make you, the, word, the next word I want to look at is, literally means bring you to a place. So I want you to picture this. I'm going to, I'm going to take um, <clears throat> uh, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28 and, and kind of bring it together with 2 Peter uh, chapter uh, 1 verse 8. And Jesus is over here saying, come, come, come. And as we come, He will bring us to a place in our lives. So it's not that we are going on this random trip, but Jesus has a point. He has a, a purpose to bring us to a place in our lives. And as we trust Him and we grow in our faith, we will get to that place in our lives where He wants us to be. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. These things will happen. These things will happen. Look at verse 8. Um, <clears throat> you will not be barren or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord. What does the word barren mean? It's, you know, it's not talking about your ability to have children. That's not what it's talking about. 
It's talking about the blessings of God in your life. You won't be barren. You will see the fruit of God in your life. In verse 9, it's interesting here, he goes to the negative side of it. He says, but if you lack these things, what? It'll make us blind to the truth. We will not be able to see the future. We will not be able to see the past. We'll be blind to things so far off. What a sad way to live. We will forget what God has done for us. Verse 10 talks about the fact that um, uh, in verse verse 10 it says, Wherefore, uh, the rather, brethren, give uh, diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, it shall never fail. In other words, if, if you will live these things and allow God to multiply them in your lives, then you will not question God's goodness in your life. You will not question the fact whether you're saved or not. Those things will never fail. But it takes us needing God in our lives. That's why we need revival. That's why I need revival as a reminder to the goodness of God in my life. Psalm chapter 139, verses 23 and 24 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, search my heart and fix it. Hosea chapter 10, verse 12. Sow to yourself in righteousness Reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it is time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. Sometimes our stubborn hearts just need to be softened. That's why we need revival. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 and following says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. We have a constant need in our lives to be sensitive to the things of God in our lives. And I don't know about you, but there are times I get a little callous. I get a little cynical. And I need God to do a work in my heart and life. John chapter 3, verse 35. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Our church, the unity that should, should happen in our church 
if a saved person walks in those doors, they should see the love within this church body and say, hey, there is something special here. Have you ever been to a church where you walk in and you can cut the air with a knife? Yeah, that's not how God wants it to be. That's why we need revival. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37 and 39. Then saith he unto his disciple, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into the harvest. In other words, God, use me. But it starts with me. Revive me. Why do we, what is revival? We answered that question. Why do we need revival? We answered that question. It's because we are all human <laughs> and we all have flesh and we're all stubborn. We need God to do a work in our hearts and lives. And next week, let me encourage you, be here Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And I promise you, God will do a mighty work. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I, I am so thankful and grateful for all that you do. And Lord, please do a mighty work in our hearts. Lord, help us to see the need of revival this next week. Use the evangelist, Tim Schmidt and Megan, to minister to our hearts, to challenge us in our thinking, but to change us from the inside out. With every head bowed and every